Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club, a community of superhero movie fans, all nerds, welcome, but please wipe your feet at the door. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, James Schuyler Houtsma, and the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson. SHMC is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week, we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, proper crowbar form, music, or science, SHMC talks about it all in this week's episode. You look good. Been working out? You could probably use a little sun. Then again, who am I to talk? <laughs> He's calling himself the Red Hood. What do you know about it? That he has horrible taste. When I wore that number, it was classy. More flashy Mater D than motorcycle fetish. Oh, these kids today. If you're behind this in any way, we will find out. You're not... Oh, bird boy, you're so much less fun now. All grown up and in your big boy pants. Still... Better off than his replacement, right? Even tougher making with the yucks when you're worm food, huh? Batman, Under the Red Hood. And yes, there will be spoilers. Okay, this is our inaugural animated direct-to-video <laughs> uh, SHMC review. What do we call what we do? Uh, just a, a, a podcast analysis? A discussion? Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's this is, thing uh, we do. Yeah, this podcast discussion, I guess. PD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. R.I.P.D. Um, R.I.P. Oh, let's not talk about R.I.P.D. Uh, so we're gonna do first opinions, and I want to start off with Skyler on this one. Oh, yay, me. For a first adaption of the Under the Red Hood storyline, Batman Under the Red Hood does a pretty good job of telling a story that can be kind of convoluted and stretched out like comic books sometimes tend to be. Uh, it's very it's very dark. It's, 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 don't plant your kids in front of this one because you'll regret it. But it's also pretty well acted. The voice cast is great. The animation is pretty slick and as a uh, self-contained animated feature it uh, it does pretty well for itself popcorn michael under the red hood was an amazing watch the first time among all of the dc animated films to come out i want to say this one is in my top three or it was because when i watched it the second time the magic was gone uh and i think that goes to show with uh, the fact that I didn't know the Under the Hood storyline before watching this movie. And uh, whenever a, a direct-to-video triggers me going to Wikipedia for like a two-hour binge of comic book research, 
then I know it's good. <laughs> so under the Red Hood, hold some respect in my regard. I got to say, uh, I love how Warner Brothers Animation manages to get some just big or recognizable names for all of the voice casting. I mean, you've got Bruce Greenwood at Batman. You've got Neil Patrick Harris as Nightwing. And why why don't we throw in Jensen Ackles of Supernatural fame to voice the Red Hood? Not to mention, of course, uh, John DiMaggio, who is just, you know, voices every character ever, (laughs) among other voice actors. But Under the Red Hood is just a fantastic story. I'm not going to say you shouldn't let your kids watch. It is definitely a bit gruesome because it deals with a very adult storyline. But there's a lot of stuff in there that I think kids will enjoy to make it lean towards more of a kid's film than an adult film because it tries to reel. You can obviously see it reeling back on the R-rated material at certain moments. But outside of that, I got to say, it's definitely a recommend to those of you who have never seen it and are a Batman fans, which is, you know, 80% of the population of the world. Popcorn Ben. I I kind of agree with Skylar uh, for once, where the, the, the I, I saw in this movie it was pulling elements from a few different storylines, all of which I had read. And if you know the twists, it's not like the story is just like, okay, well, I already know what's going to happen. So you're not really invested. Um, and I'm not convinced that John DiMaggio pretending to be Heath Ledger was the right way to cast the Joker. Um, not that it was bad, just, I don't know what I would have done differently, but something. Um, but it was, it was well-produced, well-animated. Uh, there's some exciting action some bad dialogue, but it, it's, it's, I recommend it. Um, maybe less if you already know the Red Hood storyline and the death in the family storyline. Um, but, but, but definitely, definitely watchable. I might watch it again. Uh, I always appreciate your uh, dissenting opinion, Ben, because a lot of people want to cite that John DiMaggio has delivered the best representation of a voiced joker since mark hamill true and maybe maybe i've just been watching a lot of batman the animated series from the early 90s but mark hamill is the definitive joker especially animated joker yeah Yeah. because john john dimaggio combines uh aspects of that mark hamill a performance as well as the Heath Ledger performance. You you see the the usual cartoon cartoony comical laugh side, but you also get a little bit of this homicidal, very dark spin to it as well. And you know, I've heard um, this is the first time I've heard people say that it's not the way to go. A lot of my friends in the comic book community, so we are biased <laughs> to the point. Um, say that like this was like the best way you could uh, have gone with Jokers if Mark Hamill doesn't want to do it anymore. But I like to hear that that some people don't think that way, and I, you know your your reasoning is very valid. Yeah, like not that he gave a bad performance. No, it's I just don't know if he was the right choice. You know, but but I mean, if Mark Hamill's not going to do it, then I can't actually think of anyone like any 
anyone else to do it either so well well the the only other person i can think of well we had um brett spiner voice the joker uh data from star trek the next generation he did it in young justice and i thought that was a very creepy i was very impressed with that presentation and then kevin michael richardson voiced the joker in the television series the batman and he actually got nominated for an emmy for his performance. And then there was uh, Michael Emerson of uh, Lost and Person of Interest who did uh, the Dark Knight Returns adaptation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, thank you so much for bringing that up because I thought that was that dude is creepy enough on his own. Yeah. I would say maybe pulling another voice actor from Adventure Time, uh, Tom Kenny, who was <laughs> the voice of the Ice King. I think the Ice King's voice would make a good Joker voice. Really? Uh, well, maybe. Maybe, because I think it would if you were a lot more kiddish, because um, Tom Kenny's very high-pitched. Yeah, that's, that's more going the, the Mark Hamill Joker route. Mm-hmm. But. Well, I got to say, it continues to impress me, uh, John DiMaggio's voice acting talent. Cause, oh, he, is, he is an incredible actor. Yeah, because you, you look up his stuff, and you're like, he has voiced so many different kinds of characters, and if mm-hmm. you look for it, you can hear it. But initially, sometimes you're like, "Whoa, no idea, no, I had no clue going into this," and you're just absolutely impressed. So that being said, we're gonna skip past the money section we usually do because there are very few solid money stats on direct-to-video releases. Um, uh, so it's not it's not really uh, informative or entertaining to talk about the budget or the profits of this film. It got released. People bought DVDs. People watched it. It's a good time. Uh, so we're going to go right on to the comic book section where we talk about the comic book origins of this film. And, of course, the Under the Red Hood is a – it tries – it follows the storyline of the comic book – Batman Under the Hood uh, as very closely, but it also combines elements of Death in the Family and Killing Joke and Hush, other Batman story arcs that create a better context for this film. Because Death in the Family involved the storyline where Jason Todd dies, and that's very important to know for Under the Hood, of course. And then you have Killing Joke, which is a a revitalization of the origin of Joker, which puts him as the Red Hood originally, that that magician with the big dome head in the one flashback scene you get, because they reference that a lot in the film. And then Hush it was was a comic book that just was the first allusion to Jason Todd coming back alive. Uh, because he died sometime in 1983, I think, and they didn't bring him back until 2005. So I want to talk about some characters that get their first film adaptation appearance and some some only film adaptation appearance, and we'll start with Amazo. Amazo uh, premiered in The Brave and the Bold, number 30, in 1960, created by Gardner Fox and Murphy Anderson, uh, Amazo was the, the, the android you see who <laughs> was uh, aptly described by Batman to a bunch of crooks in the film. Uh, and his, his backstory is that that android was created by Professor Ivo as a means to serve Izo's, Ivo's obsession with immortality. 
and his original programming is to kill the Justice League, destroy the Justice League. But eventually, because Amazo's ability is to adapt to superheroes' powers and learn them and imitate them, he eventually gains sentience and becomes an actually very evolved figure in the DC universe until a new Amazo is created who is, you know, blank slated and just made to kill the Justice League again. Uh, a great storyline involving the Amazo android can be seen in the Justice League television series and the Justice League Unlimited television series where he actually like disappears off into the distance for a number of episodes and comes back as an absolutely highly evolved being beyond like even Superman. And ah, I love that stuff when I was a kid. I love it now. It's still great. Uh, the next character is Black Mask, who I've got to say is one of my favorite Batman villains. Uh, it premiered in Batman number 386 in 1985 by Doug Menick uh, uh, and Tom Mandrake. And his real name is Roman Sionis. And I love his backstory. So I'm just going to sort of uh, uh, summarize it real quick for you. His parents cared only about his social status, uh, about their social status. They cared about it more than the son's well-being. So a lot of times when the son got hurt, when Roman got hurt, they would say, Roman, suck it up. Don't talk about it because we need to impress our rich friends. Uh, so that made Roman resent the fact that his parents wore masks in public and in their private life. They were so cruel to him. The uh, Roman eventually became attracted to a woman who worked in his father's company and his parents disapproved of this of this uh, this relationship because she's working class. She's below us. The Roman having enough of that burns down his family's estate, his family's house, with his parents in it. Therefore, he inherits all that his parents owned. He's the only heir to the uh, Sionis fortune, and everything, yeah, everything's insured. <laughs> uh, and, but at his, at his inception, Roman was a horrible businessman. So he lost everything in his father's pharmaceutical company when he inherited it. Uh, he he lost the fortune. He lost his his fiance, who he fell in love with, who who spurred this whole thing. And because of his pride, he never blamed himself. He blamed his parents for raising him up so horribly. So what he did is he went into his parents' crypt. He busted open his father's tomb, and you know desecrated their their dead bodies. And his father's tomb was made of ebony. So he took the broken ebony coffin that his father was in, and he turned it into a black mask. And that's how he became – that's the name. That's how he became the criminal mastermind known as the Black Mask, and that's when he started his his warlord crime reputation. Eventually – that black mask became seared onto his face in a Batman-related incident, of course, and that and that led to a a long seeding hatred of the Batman. There's a lot more to deal with the black mask, but I don't know why. I love business moguls going crazy as Batman villains for some reason. 
just and there's so many of them for some reason. Yeah, and they and 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 they all have something very colorful happen to them. Uh, the penguin becomes more penguin-like. He was born that way. Two Face gets acid thrown on his face. I it's 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 just so great the the rogues gallery that Batman has adapted for himself because all of them are so wonderfully developed and and colorfully imagined that they're all just great villains. Uh, the next character I want to move on to is Nightwing. And would you believe me if I said that Nightwing in Batman the Under the Red Hood, this is his only film debut. This is the only time Nightwing has ever been seen in a film presentation of any kind. He's been on varying t- television shows, but Under the Red Hood is the only movie he's in. We've seen Robin a few times in movies, but this is the only time we see Nightwing because this is the first Robin. Uh, Dick Grayson, grown up at past 18 years old, struck out on his own to become Nightwing. The first time we see him in the costume is uh, Tales of the Teen Titans number 44 in 1984. And um, he got his name from the time Superman told him about an old Kryptonian vigilante who took on the name Nightwing back on Krypton, which is... Great, I guess. <laughs> if you ever want to know more about the Nightwing story, uh, a good starting point would be the Batman animated series episode, Old Wounds. Is that season one? No, 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 no. That's when... That's like season four, technically. Yeah, yeah oh, okay. it's, it's technically the new Batman adventures because the Batman animated series had Dick Grayson and Robin, but then they That's, aged yeah. him five years. That's when okay. like, the animation got all different i would yeah. say and and yeah the old wounds uh btas episode is just 30 minutes of dick describing why his falling out with batman led to him coming into his own and what i what i love about this is as much as dick grayson grows up and as much as jason todd grows up batman remains the same age bruce wayne does not get any older than his mid 30s <laughs> <laughs> Lazarus pits, dude. <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't think so. The next character is the Red Hood. The first time we see Red Hood in Detective Comics number 168 in 1951. Because this is the man that would eventually become the Joker. So the story is told first in 1951, but it's later alternativized by Alan Moore in The Killing Joke, which was released in the 80s, but was seen more as a Joker origin story. And as we all know about the Joker is he's crazy. We have, we don't really have – nobody confirms or denies that either of the tales accurately describes the Joker's origin – because they like to make it a giant myth for the fans, um, but it is it is shown that you know you see the the Red Hood is originally that magician sort of outfit with the giant red dome over the top, and he was just a petty crook. And it, during Batman's early days, and it's seen as one as Batman's first failures because this petty crook saw no way out and he he dived slash fell into a vat of chemicals, which turned him into the Joker. 
and and Batman couldn't stop that from happening because he was too young and inexperienced, and now his greatest enemy was birthed from that. And that's why all those Red Hood references come from in the movie, because the Joker used to wear that outfit. Uh, the last character to talk about is, of course, Jason Todd, the second Robin, premiering in Batman number 357 in 1963 by Jerry Conway and Don Newton. Uh, a lot. Yeah, 1983. Thank you. Okay. That 19- makes more sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, and the, the early stories were written by uh, Jim Starlin, who's known for writing a lot of Marvel's cosmic tales. And fans received Jason Todd very poorly. They did not like the Jason Todd Robin stories so much so that DC was like, all right, we're going to make a poll and you guys are going to call in and vote whether or not you want Robin to die in this next comic book arc we're going to come up with. They had a a storyline called Death in the Family. Just for context, um, there was a storyline called Death in the Family where basically um, like four issues into the storyline, they left it on a huge cliffhanger. Um, and it was exactly like the beginning of uh, this movie, Under the Red Hood, where Joker Bastard's face with a crowbar uh, and then left him for dead and then it exploded the building he was in. Um, and then fans voted on whether issue five should reveal that he died or survived. And probably rightfully so, this movie didn't uh, make any mention of what would later go on in that series, which involved the Ayatollah of Iran sending the Joker to gas the UN. Oh, that's, that's yeah. right. Yes, that is... Just a little dated. It is. If you read the original Death in the Family, it is, it is rife with uh, the, 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 the politics of the time. Because Joker is afraid of the leader of Iran, um, and, and it's it's to show that a real person in life could be more terrifying than the Joker. Uh, but yes, the fans voted kill Jason Todd, um, and and they voted to that with only seventy two votes <laughs> being the difference. Out of some ten thousand votes were cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is crazy, first of all. Because this wasn't like – this is pre-internet. People called a number and voted. Uh, so there's no guarantee those were all individual votes. But, I mean, how many times can you call a number and vote one way before you get tired of it? It depends on how much you hate Jason Todd. And <laughs> the fans really hated Jason Todd. Yeah, uh, uh, enough of them did, definitely. Um, and, and there's a lot of stories that involve Jason Todd, but he was dead for a good 22 years until this under the hood storyline came about in 2005. And then you get this movie. Ta-da. I think it's finally safe to say that this isn't the first episode where we've mentioned these two characters in that our Batman Arkham Knight episode. Oh yeah. Did feature both of them. Isn't he? Oh, shit, spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert, Jason Todd is the Arkham Knight. It's been like like, half a year. If someone tells you that there's like a... I've I've noticed that like every time someone's like, oh man, a new Batman thing, and there's a big twist in it, the twist is always Jason Todd's going to show up. (laughs) We've reached the saturation point with that twist. 
Yeah, I think we've, we've had enough of Jason. And, you know, it's a shame, too, because they brought him back, and then the DC comic book line of New 52 happened, where they reintroduced the DC universe with new uh, 52 new titles, and you got Red Hood and the Outlaws, which was probably, in my opinion, of the New 52 I've read, one of the worst comic books to come out, because it involved Red Hood, Red Arrow, and Starfire, and it was just fan service to how hot Starfire could look. It wasn't that compelling of a storyline, because Jason Todd was just kind of an... It was still portrayed as like an angsty 22-year-old, um, and instead of this like actually calculating and very uh, trained and intelligent, motivated character that we got in this film. Uh, but I think that's enough of, of comic book history and context, at least to get you going to search on Wikipedia for more. Uh, so we're going to move it along to Skyler's section, music of Under the Red Hood. Uh, music for Batman Under the Red Hood is done by Christopher Drake, who we have mentioned before on this podcast. Yeah, we've mentioned him. Has he done any movies that we've we've talked about yet? Not any movies. He has done the video game Batman Arkham Origins. All right, because uh, uh, just a heads up, fans, uh, in case you don't already know, Christopher Drake since like 2004, 2006, I don't know, has taken over the animated Batman music. <laughs> I, I actually think this was his first... Uh, foray into uh, the Batman animated realm. And this was 2010, so... Oh, I thought he did Public Enemies. Oh, yeah, that one... Yeah, that one might have been 2009. Anyway. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> Christopher Drake is now the Batman animated music guy. Just to so you know. Yes, yeah. Uh, we've talked about him before, how he likes to uh, set up certain rhythmic repetitions that eventually like spell out certain things and all that crazy shit but the uh, score to Batman Under the Red Hood is one that fits the movie really well but is a nightmare to try and find clips for because nothing lasts for more than like 15 seconds that's worth noting so let's let's take a listen to the first one I picked out main titles that does actually have maybe a few notable moments This moment to apologize to both uh, you, Skyler, and, and and Ben, because with animated movies, your your sections get a little little reduced. The comic book stuff is still juicy as all get up, but the soundtracks are are definitely catered to much shorter films, shorter scenes. They've got to compact a lot more sound, and and the science gets thrown out the door because it's an animated show. They don't need to give a crap. <laughs> right. You got to remember that whatever the budget was on this movie, probably a fraction went of that went to music. It's 
probably written on a dude's computer, never performed by an actual orchestra, and everything lasts for about that long. I I still really like the soundtrack for this one, though. Probably my favorite uh, moment of the soundtrack comes up in Amazo, and it'll comes back again in uh, the rooftop chase later in the movie. Uh, it's just the it falls in line with the rest of the soundtrack in that it's uh, percussive, you know, big, foreboding, uh, exciting, and it's just you know a little like thirty minute snippet that when I think of the soundtrack of this movie, that's what I think about it. So let's take. Let's take a listen to the track Amazo to hear what I'm talking about. I still think this sound is a little bit too well done to be composed on a computer. Well, we're at a point with technology right now where it's pretty convincing. I mean, you can always they can always probably sneak in a few minutes of studio recording time and then jerry rig the, the rest of the way there, but uh yeah, for how it sounds, it does sound pretty professional. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like that 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 snip you played me was like, ah, uh, that sounds uh, kind of like. At least they had some brass section in there. I think the trick is to make it sound like it's been recorded in a a space that's just big enough to get this uh, deep, loud sound that you can get with uh, movies like Batman, and even if it's not made that uh, recorded in such a place just to uh, produce it in such a way makes all the mm-hmm. difference. But no, this one, music works really well with the movie. Yeah, and you know, Christopher Drake is so solid at that. It's kind of crazy the job security that dude has because Warner Brothers is pumping out a new animated movie like every year, I think, or at, uh, at, at, the, at the very least every two years. I, um, they're almost to the point of twice a year. Yeah, okay. Um, because, because yeah, they're on a string right now where, like, one's a Justice League movie and then the other's a Batman movie. Have you have you noticed that? <laughs> I have gotten that idea, yes. Um, and Christopher Drake does all the Batman ones every single time. Uh, and so it's just like it's a, it's, the dude just has a good sound for what a Batman movie should be. The, the very low percussive sounds and then a few brass coming in 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 uh, like inclinations and then it sort of dies out to a little bit of techno at the bottom. Yeah, no, he's definitely got his uh his formula for it and whatnot. Uh any more music you want to talk about? No, I'm good for today. You got you got two clips that were a good <laughs> uh twenty five to fifty seconds and you're rock solid. <laughs> yep. Welcome to Animated Features. <laughs> All right, Ben, time for your torture session with the science sec- segment of our show. Um, and we're going to give you the chance to talk about fun facts, too, because how many science topics do you have? One? <laughs> I have exactly one. 
Yeah, all right. Um, and actually, I'm surprised that we haven't talked about this now, but the um, it's on when cars burn nitros, we see a motorcycle do this. Oh, um, at the this- very opening of the scene, for like two seconds, you see Batman hit a nitros button, and that's yeah. what we're going to talk about for the next five minutes. Yep. Yeah, that that's all the science. Because every, every other scientific aspect of this film either – uh, it is not something new for us to talk about, or it's dealt with better in other films. Um, well, so. yeah, because we've talked about the evolutionary aspects of Amazo when we talked about, like, Darwin in X-Men First Class. Yeah. And gadgets, we, we did gadgets in, in Batman Arkham Knight, and mm-hmm. I, they come up, but there aren't really any noteworthy gadgets in this one. Like, um, But Nit- Nitros shows up all the time in movies, so I'm a little surprised we haven't talked about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what that is, um, is in movies they push a button, but I don't think that's actually how it works in real <laughs> life. Um, basically, nitros means that the engine is designed to burn nitrous oxide, which is um, two nitrogen atoms and an oxygen atom bonded together. They burn that instead of taking in you know, regular air. So burning nitrous oxide means the oxygen concentration of their, um, you know, the air they're using to burn their fuel is 33%, whereas normal air is only 21% oxygen. So the engine has a higher output because um, if you have a higher, what's burning is the oxygen. Yeah, I was going to say oxygen oxygen is more flammable. Yeah, the the oxygen is what allows the gasoline to burn or, or whatever. And so if you have a higher concentration of that, you're gonna, it's going to run more efficiently. It's going to have a higher output. Um, but the engine is going to run much hotter and less reliably in the, in the long run. So you have to have an, an engine that's designed to burn nitrous oxide. But what that means is you can't really just switch it on because that's not how your engine's designed. Oh, sorry. There is a – so hold on. So nitrous oxide's a real – Thing? Like when you activate nitros in racing games, like that's not an unfounded principle that someone just made up one time. It's it's not really you activate it. It's that it's like your engine's designed for that, so you have to carry around like a tank of nitrous oxide with you, uh, and it just burns that instead of regular air. Um, is my understanding? Does NASCAR have that built in then? No, it's it's used for like drag races. Okay. Very, like. That's really the only place you'll really see nitrous being nitrous oxide being used. It's also called NOS, N-O-S. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to mostly quote, for drag racing because there your engine has to have the super high output, but you're not running it for very long, so you don't have to worry about it actually getting hot. To quote the late Paul Walker from the first Fast and the Furious movie, I need NOS. Uh, yeah, because I've always thought that, that NOS is just a myth. That they invented this 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 silly chemical that yeah um, no it's drag it, racers use it that's about that's about it the only time you can really find it useful because other times you're gonna either overheat your engine or you're gonna go too fast and able to turn in competitive racing yeah your your average driver doesn't need the it's okay. you have to buy tanks of nitrous oxide in order to go anywhere so all right it, it's used in so, drag racing. Which is so, how we see it in movies. They they activate it when they need a, to go as fast as a drag racer would. 
Another Batman vehicle-related question. Uh, how is that different because from an afterburner? Okay, reason I ask is just because when you play Batman Arkham Knight, it feels like every other mission, it's like, use the afterburner! 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 Yeah, basically, they just pump extra fuel after the turbine. So basically, they, like, pump fuel in, and then that burns and just gives it a huge huge boost of thrust um the problem is that it uses all your fuel real quickly i was gonna say it's yeah it's it's just like shoving a ton of fuel onto an open flame and just letting that explosion give you one last burst of energy yeah so it's extremely inefficient it's the what, 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 what how nitros is used in movies is more like how an afterburner is used in real life <laughs> okay um uh Ben do you have do you have some fun facts you want to talk about cuz your I, your science topics were pretty truncated Yeah, yeah I I can, I can talk about some fun facts and then I'll I'll open it up to others I had two um we talked about earlier how this is like pretty hardcore and I think it's rated PG13 Yep 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 Yeah so this was um I read that this was supposed to be rated R but WB was like, yeah, no, you have to tone it down. We have to try and appeal this to kids. Yeah, like, it's really hard to release an R-rated animated film and have it make any damn money at all. About Batman! Kids yeah. love Batman! Yeah. In fact, only now has uh, WB allowed an R-rated cut, and that's with the upcoming animated adaptation of The Killing Joke. That, that thing's brutal, though. Like you, to that, to to, yes. to 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 uh to censor that in a way that would become PG thirteen would kind of ruin the essence of the story. I could see it being done with a lot of respect and and justification, but it would definitely be a different emotional tale. Yeah, and all of it is due more towards like psychological stuff, not really. Yeah. Or, I mean, some nudity, yeah. There's nudity, yeah. There's quite a bit to of prove, nudity. To prove a point, though, there's nudity to, like, to create psychological Yeah, to, it's, it's torment. Not, it's not gratuitous. Yeah. Well, I'd say it's gratuitous because it's used in a tormenting way. You but it's, it's, nudity with a, it's nudity with a purpose. You know, yeah. it's not nudity for the source of just, like, oh, look, objectified bodies. I guess we have different definitions of gratuitous, so we mean the same thing. Probably, I th- yeah, I think. Uh, purposeful is more of the key word I'm thinking here. So, But none of that can be found in Under the Red Hood. No, you definitely see moments where it's toned down. Yeah. So um, I, had, I had another fun fact, um, and uh, if you're a child of the 90s like I am, you will remember the... 2000 U.S. presidential election, Bush v. Gore. Um, and if you if you do the calculations like I did, the margin by which uh, Jason Todd was killed off is almost exactly the same as the margin of the popular vote in Bush versus Gore. Meanwhile, in 1984, the story, you know, the year where that story took place, Popular vote for the presidential election. <laughs> Not even that close. <laughs> Reagan destroyed. Yeah. So, like, in 
if if real life elections were as close as the Jason Todd death election, it would trigger an automatic recount. <laughs> but comic books aren't that intense. They don't rely on no. world politics. <laughs> Although if if it had triggered an automatic recall, I bet that um they'd find a lot of people who are calling in a dozen times because they really want to see Jason Todd to die. Okay. Uh anybody got any more fun facts? I got I got drinking game rules. Oh, all right. Let's go to the new SHMC section, drinking game rules that has replaced because of this movie. So this is where we're just gonna list off. Uh, you can you can create your own rules, of course, on your own. But we're gonna give you some standards if you want to watch Batman: The Red Hood uh, either again or for the first time. Here's a chance to do it with alcohol, with some rules with your buddies, or by yourself, you know, if whatever floats your boat. So, Ben, why don't you start us off with the first drinking game rule that should be applied to this film? All right. First off, you take a drink every time the Joker delivers a line that would have been more convincing if he didn't sound exactly like Jake the Dog. From Adventure Time, for people who aren't familiar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then, uh, or, or any other John DiMaggio character. Like yeah, Bender, Bender, or I can't think of any others. Uh, there's a lot out there. <laughs> Mostly Jake the dog, because he's like the opposite of the jo- of the Joker here. 100%. Uh, take a shot out of respect every time Batman does the vanishing act, just because you kind of have yeah. to. I mean, come on. Yeah. Drink at every moment. A parent has a horrific realization of just what they've let their kid watch. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to counter that actually with um, the last person to shout out PG-13 whenever an explicit violence or gore moment happens has to keep drinking until the next person get, gets punched on screen. Uh, also, take a shot every time a twist is ruined because you've read one of the books this movie's based on. So that's <laughs> the Red Hood killing joke, Death of the Family killing joke, hush. <laughs> to, to counter that one, drink every time there's a comic book reference you don't understand. <laughs> Just as a catch-22. Take a shot every time a supernatural fanboy or girl <laughs> works themselves into a coma from excitement at hearing Jetson Ackles. <laughs> Which only he only talks like four times in the movie. If you when you when you really listen to it, he does not have that many lines. Who is this character? The Red Hood. Oh yeah. Okay. Like he he probably talks more as as young Jason Todd than he does as the Red Hood. Speaking of people talk having like four lines in the whole thing, um, waterfall just straight up during any and all monologue exposition dumps. So that includes, for example, Batman describing what a mezzo is to the two crooks he just tied up, the two crooks or the two to the three crooks. Uh, talking amongst themselves about who Nightwing is for a good that 30 seconds. Everything Ra's al Ghul does. Everything Ra's al Ghul says. Um, oh, man, there were a fair amount of exposition dumps in this movie. Uh, oh, when yeah. Batman sees a flashback of the Red Hood falling in a vat of chemicals, gotta keep drinking through that whole scene, dude. Yep. Oh, every time the Joker says something about how he used to wear that costume. <laughs> 
that's a good four drinks, I gotta that, say. Yeah. Uh, that's, oh, wow. I just, you know, when you rewatch it, you realize, wow, he likes to talk about that. Every time uh, he says, the uses the phrase, motorcycle fetish. <laughs> just once. But you, you should, uh, you should no, take a shot at that moment. Three times. Ah, are you certain? I'm pretty sure. He says it at least twice. Mm, I'll put money down on that one, and I will take drinks if I lose. Do a Jaeger bomb out of respect at that uh, scene at the end where Batman just punches Jason through the wall. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how strong everyone is. And finally, finish the bottle. When you settle uncomfortably in your chair after watching the flashback of Jason Todd in a green thong fight crime. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I could not have been the only one who was like, mm, probably should have given him green pants. I mean, come on. That seems yeah. a little small for a nine-year-old boy. He shows a lot of leg. <laughs> and it isn't necessary. Batman's wearing a full battle suit. I mean, come on. <laughs> Gotham City is a coastal city. That, that has to be yeah. cold. <laughs> That's pretty warm. It's on the East Coast. I mean, so yeah, it's got to get cold in the winter, but I mean, in the in the, in the summer, I, that's probably appropriate. It's never appropriate. What am I saying? It's like a freaking ten year old kid in a in a speedo fighting crime. When has that ever been a fashion style? Finish your damn bottle, guys. You know when that scene hits. There's a great web comic of it's either Robin's birthday or his like inauguration, and it's a gift, and it's the Robin suit, and. Bruce Wayne's just sitting there, like, all intently watching us. Like, you gonna put it on? <laughs> Entertain me, boy. Okay. Whoa, don't be gross. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna cut that off now. <laughs> so looks like that's gonna wrap it up for today, super fans. Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced by Triop Cop. Productions. I still have not made a website. <laughs> if you like what you hear, please show us your support by going to our iTunes page where you probably subscribe to us. Or if you haven't, subscribe to us. But also leave a rating and make it five stars. Only five stars. Write a review too. Have some fun with it. Call us piles of crap, but leave it at five stars just to confuse us. Yeah, and, and also what you should write about is uh, at our um, subreddit, r slash superhero movie club, uh, we have a mailbag thread stickied there, so you can come ask us questions. We also want you to talk about the, keep talking about these movies with us. That's reddit.com slash r slash superhero movie club. Yeah, because we're going to post the show notes to this episode, and if you've got any more drinking game rules you want to add or any corrections of anything stupid we said, there's the definite place to do it, and we will respond and respect you for doing it there so kindly. Yeah, and our Twitter feed is also a really great place to leave your drinking game uh, rules. That's at Superhero MC. Uh, leave us your questions, comments, concerns. All right, so that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Skyler Houtsma. And Ben Anderson. And I hope you all have a super week. See you later, everybody!